Well, all right. Good morning, church. Welcome. And uh, we're going to get straight into the Word today. So if you've got your Bibles handy, your notebooks, uh, maybe your phone, you can look up uh, version and whatever Bible app you've got. And we are going to plunge into the Word today. Uh, I'm going to be preaching out of the same passage that Pastor Rick uh, uh, preached about two weeks ago. We really feel like there's something very prophetic about this passage for our church at this time. We spent a lot of time unpacking it with our leadership team and uh, just praying into it. And, uh, and I feel like I've just got a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a, a fresh take on, on that word today. And so we're, gonna, we're just going to lean right into it. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel 47. And uh, we're going to read this, this uh, part of the chapter here from verse 1. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Son of man, do you see this? There's this moment where he's addressing Ezekiel and it's like, do you see what I'm trying to show you? And we're going we're gonna to try and explore that today. And let's, let's keep going. It says, then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Araba where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. That's a heck of a lot of water to turn salty water fresh, let me say. We're talking about a significant amount of water. It says, swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, Everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to en Eglaim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. And every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. It's a pretty incredible vision that Ezekiel is, is given. And, uh, and such a, a, an incredible metaphor for what we experience now because of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the presence of God was so contained and confined to, 
you know, a, a holy place to, you know, the Ark of the Covenant or to the temple. And it was so, it was so clearly um, almost contained in, in, that, in that sense. And that's where you would go to experience God, experience His mercy, experience His judgment, experience His grace. You know, that's where you would go to experience His presence. And, you know, the Holy Spirit really, when He came, He just changed everything. He changed everything because uh, it was no longer just within the temple, but it was wherever the Holy Spirit was in a person that we see the presence of God moving across the earth. You know, once upon a time, before, before the Holy Spirit came, it was only in the unique few that we saw the Holy Spirit uh, you know, in somebody and activated in somebody, and and we we saw that the presence of uh, the Holy Spirit in somebody, and that, and they were very unique. They were the superstars of the Old Testament, where the Spirit came upon them, and they were able to prophesy. They were able to hear from God and understand what God was uh, doing on the planet, and 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 yet when the Holy Spirit came. Everything changed. It was a great game changer. We got a hint of what was to come when Jesus was hanging on the cross, you know, crucified on the cross. And that great earthquake came, that the shaking came of the temple. And the veil uh, that, you know, behind, that, the, behind the veil, the priests would go and that's where the presence of God would be. But it was, it was unattainable for the average person. But that, that huge veil, that thick curtain that was hanging there in the temple tore in half. It was like, something's coming, guys. It's no longer for the elite few. It's no longer for the, just the special few. It's for the many. It's for the many. And, and you know, when, uh, when the Holy Spirit did come and pour Himself out over uh, the disciples who were gathered in the upper room there in Jer- uh, Jerusalem, and, and, you know, then they're speaking in all, all different tongues and all different languages, and, and uh, there was just this incredible manifestation of, of the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle uh, Peter says, hey, this is what was prophesied was going to come. In the last days, as Joel said, I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. It was like the Holy Spirit's going to come and it's really going to just disrupt the natural order of things. It's going to disrupt the social order of things. It's, the Holy Spirit's going to be for the rich and for the poor, for men and for women, for the Jew and for the Gentile. It's just it's such a breakdown of all those barriers uh, that were once there. And it was, it's not just for the, uh, the, the special few anymore, but it was for the many. And I think this, this incredible passage in Ezekiel shows us what that looks like when, you know, the water comes trickling out of the temple and it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And we see that when the, there's a great flow of the Holy Spirit, we see the impact of that. The dead things come to life. Amen? Dead things come to life. We see trees growing and producing fruit monthly. Fruit trees produce fruit in their season. They don't produce every month. And there is this incredible sense in which, uh, you know, when the Holy Spirit touches things, He disrupts the natural order. He disrupts the natural flow. He disrupts, you know, what we would consider, you know, normal and achievable in this life. He disrupts that and He does the extraordinary. He does the supernatural because He is a supernatural God. I want to I really explore what it looks like to live our lives in the flow of the Holy Spirit. It's so important because the more the Holy Spirit flows, the more we see lives changed, people healed, provision made, the dead come to life again. 
The more we see the Holy Spirit flow in our life, the more we will see those things happen in our life. And so today I want to ask you that question. Where are you in the flow of the Holy Spirit? Where do you find yourself today? Because the greatest fruitfulness, the greatest miracles, the greatest breakthrough, the greatest healing is in the deepest part of the river. You know, uh, at uh, uh, summer, January, uh, summertime, we love to go to the beach and we were at the beach with our granddaughters uh, on this particular day and uh, with Neve and with Ramey. And so Neve wasn't quite three at the time. Ramey was about 18 months and I just, I just loved watching their response to the ocean. You know, both of them were very happy to be there, but Neve, she's very cautious. So she is watching the waves and she doesn't like that she can't predict how regularly they come. You know, she doesn't like that, uh, you know, just when she lets her guard down a little bit, suddenly a, a wave comes along. She, she really doesn't like it. So she is eyeing off that water very suspiciously. She wants to be held by me. She's, you know, she'd rather rather be up above it uh, than down in it. Uh, and she's just watching really cautiously uh, because because she just can't predict it. She, she doesn't know how to predict the timing of, of the waves. And you contrast that with Ramey, who <laughs> at 18 months, she sees the waves and she is head first into that water. She cannot wait to get wet. She is, she is drowning in that thing. In fact, you regularly see her kind of dangling from the arm of an adult, you know, as they have plucked her out of, out of uh, the water and impending drowning. And she just, you know, wipes it off, coughs it out, and she's back into it. You know, just fearless, this kind of attacking the water. She's got to be in the water. And I've got to tell you that I think sometimes when it comes to the things of God and the way the Holy Spirit might be moving and, and flowing in my life, I feel like I'm probably more like Neve. <laughs> you know, I've just, I've got to watch, I've got to know where it's going, I've got to, I've got to have it all worked out, you know, and I can, I can hesitate at getting in the water and getting into that flow. Uh, but I've got to tell you today, I really want to be more like Ramey. <laughs> I, I so want to be like her and, you know, maybe God's going to have me dangling from the end of his arm occasionally because I'm drowning. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but the, the, the point is that I want to embrace the flow of the Holy Spirit like Ramey. I want to be like that. And so I, I hope that maybe today you, you feel the same way as, as I do. So let's talk about it. The man takes him out. And he measures a thousand cubits uh, out from the temple, takes Ezekiel out, and uh, and they find themselves up to their ankles in water. So let's 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 think about that for a minute. What's ankle deep Holy Spirit look like? What does that look like to live in that space? You know, we can we can see that the water is flowing, and our feet are even wet, and that's cool. Our feet are wet. We can acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's there. My feet are wet. But the truth is when I stand in water an ankle deep, it has very little pull on my life. In fact, what I'm more responsive to are the winds that are buffering, buffeting me. You know, we, we have many winds that buffet us in life. We've got our own, uh, you know, personal concerns, our own issues with finance, our own relationship difficulties, our own questions about life, about God. You know, those winds can be blowing. And even though our feet are wet, what is really defining our direction, our attention, are the winds that are hitting us. 
You know, 2020, gosh, what an extraordinary year, hey? What's the next six months going to hold? <laughs> I'll tell you. And this has been one of those kind of years where the winds have been blowing and blowing ferociously. You know, if it wasn't for, you know, the concerns that we had about our, um, our farmers and the drought that was happening uh, in our country when, when, the, when the new year ticked around, uh, it kind of got completely overshadowed by the, the fires that were gripping us and the, the smoke that was choking us. And, and it, was, it was incredible, just incredible. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, coronavirus hits <laughs> and we've never seen anything like this before. And the, the word unprecedented got used a really a lot of times <laughs> in an unprecedented unpre- uh, fashion. Um, <laughs> and, and so we, we have these winds really blasting at us. You know, it's like, wow, what are we, what, what's going on here? And of course, in recent times, you know, of course, we've been, um, you know, consumed by what's happening there in the States and uh, this, this uh, you know, raw wound that seems to have opened up and, and you know, and we can, we can be so buffeted by the winds of causes and concerns and drama and, you know, you just can't even engage with any form of media these days without there being a strong sense of drama. It's just more wind. You know, King Solomon, he, in his wisdom, he wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 14, he says, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. A striving after wind. You know, and we can live our lives like this, just responding to one trigger after another, to one drama after another, and uh, and doesn't mean that there's not uh, you know that there's not something meaningful in those things, but but they're not necessarily where the Holy Spirit is flowing in our life. Our our feet may be wet, but we are living in response to the winds. And I want to encourage us today that we've got to go deeper. We've got to not live buffeted by those winds or striving after the winds, but we've got to be living very consciously in the flow of the Holy Spirit because He'll take you to what really matters. He'll take you to what's really of eternal value. He'll take you to what's really your calling and your destiny. He'll take you there faithfully. The winds the winds will not. So we've got to go deeper. And so the man took Ezekiel and he measured out another thousand cubits and now they were up to their knees in the water. What does knee-deep Holy Spirit look like? I think, you know, once you're up to your knees in flowing water, it's got your attention. It's definitely got your attention. You can see where the water's flowing. There's much more of an acknowledgement of it. But the truth is, when I stand in water up to my knees, I can still choose to walk in a different direction. The water might be flowing that way. I can choose to walk that way or that way. I can, I can choose a different direction to walk in. I think there's been a lot of times in my life, uh, you know, even though I've loved God all, all my life, but there's been a lot of times where I found myself in that very place of being up to my knees. I remember the example of, of our early married life. You know, I, I was so aware of God and the destiny of my life. 
But, you know, there were some voices in my head and some influences in my life that and I allowed there. And I started to feel very sorry for myself uh, about certain things. And rather than go with the flow of the Holy Spirit, which was going to send me to truth and to forgiveness and to grace and to strength, I began to walk what I thought was a better direction. And, you know, that, that really, there was a lot of resentment there, a lot of bitterness, a lot of cynicism that started to grow. And, and so even though I knew, I, I, I could not not acknowledge God. Like, he, he was so real, and yet I felt that there was a, a path that was better than the path that God was leading me on. And it didn't take too long to discover that I was completely unstable. You know, James chapter 1, verses 6 to 8 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I really think that knee-deep Holy Spirit is living a bit of a double-minded kind of Christianity. It's like, I know that the, the Bible tells me this. I know that God wants me to do this, but I feel like I've got a better way. I've got a, a better approach. I think differently to that. You know, I'm, I, I um, feel that I value my intelligence or my own ability to rationalise or my own understanding or even my own experience. And I let that determine my steps. I find myself walking against the current And I can tell you right now that that makes your walk very unstable. When the flow of the Holy Spirit is pulling you one way and you are pulling yourself another, it makes your life very unstable. And honestly, the only thing we can do is to go deeper. We've got to go deeper. I know a lot of people that live in that very zone for a long time, but it's unstable. It's double-minded. We've got to go deeper. And so the man takes Ezekiel out, another thousand cubits he measures, and now they find themselves waist deep. I tell you, you know, waist deep, you are really caught up with what God is doing in your life. You're really, you're following Him, you're pursuing Him, you're aware of uh, His voice in your life, His leading in your life. It's a lot harder to try and walk in your own direction when you're waist deep. But you know what I can do at waist deep? I can dig my feet in and just stand. I can dig my feet in and hold my ground. Now, I was thinking of uh, an example of this in my life, and you know, I was going going back to uh, to when Rick got, Rick got called back into youth ministry, and we'd been involved with young families. I was serving with the women, and uh, was I was running small groups with the women and. Uh, helping with the women's events and just loving it. And we sort of tag-teamed, you know, he was off to youth and I was off off doing different things and um, all in the church, all very much with this strong sense that uh, we're, you know, we're caught up in serving God and it's good. I'm waist deep, really am. And, uh, and but, you know, over, the, over those first few years of Rick being back in youth, he would often say to me, geez, I'd love you to come. I'm like, yes, but, you know, I've got to put the kids to bed and, you know, there's, there's other priorities now, dear. We're a young family. It's just, you know, it's fairly normal to, uh, to, to not be in youth when you have now four children at this stage. <laughs> and not only did I have four kids, I also had a dying mother and I was part of her caregiving team 
In fact, we moved our entire family in so I could care for her during the day and my dad could care for her during the night. And, uh, and of course then, you know, Rick rings me from a Planet Shakers conference over in Adelaide and he's having a fantastic week. And, uh, and he says to me, hun, God's, God, God is wanting something here. He's wanting something. And I knew, I knew straight away where, where he was going. He was saying, it's time for me to step in and go back to youth. And uh, I had such a wrestle with God. And it was, it was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm putting my feet like in the sand, I'm bracing myself in the stubborn position. I am not moving <laughs> with the flow of that water. <laughs> I am not going there. It's not happening. Waist deep is deep enough. And, uh, and I had such a wrestle with God. It felt so unfair to be called into youth ministry with four kids and a dying mother. Like it just didn't make any sense. And of course, um, I've never been able to hold out on the Holy Spirit for too long. He, he usually wins in the end. And, uh, and so I found myself back in youth. But I really, I really had only just taken a little step and then dug my feet in again because for the first few months of being back in youth, I would sit there trying to keep my kids quiet up the back of church, take them home straight after the service was over and, uh, and ask God, why am I there? I don't know why I'm serving young people. Like I, what, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what the point of me being there. And about three months in uh, to being in youth ministry, I had a, a chat with one of the young girls who said, I've got a terrible example for marriage with my own uh, family. And I, I'd really like to know what, what marriage, good marriage could look like. And in that moment, I suddenly got a picture of why God had put me there. And, you know, we went on to having uh, the most fantastic time, really amazing time, an incredible team. We had over 800 kids in discipleship, 800 youth, and I just absolutely loved it. And uh, I was mum and grandma and great-grandma and all sorts of things to a lot of those kids. Um, And it was an incredible privilege, but that required me to take my feet out of the sand and go deeper, to go deeper. So I don't, know, I don't know what waste like looks for you, waste like Holy Spirit, waste deep Holy Spirit <laughs> looks to you. Um, but let me just read Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life in which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. You know, this really, Paul really paints a picture of allowing God to determine our steps, to determine our life, the life we actually live now. It's all him. It's, all, it's not 70% him and 30% us, even 90% him and 10% us. It's, it's all him. It's all in. It's the kind of... Faith. It's the kind of, uh, you know, walk with God that lifts our feet out of the sand, out of the stubborn posture and says, okay, I'm going to go with the flow. I'm going with the flow. We've got to go deeper. We've got to go deeper. You know why we've got to go deeper? He measures out another thousand cubits and says to Ezekiel, okay, we're going in. And don't even think about trying to find the bottom. It's not there. Uh, just get in and go with the flow. 
And Ezekiel notices the trees and the fish, the plenty, that the salt water became fresh again, that the dead came back to life. That is the place God wants us to live. That's all in, Holy Spirit, all in. You know, when when the river gets so deep that it just carries us with the flow, that's all we can do. We start to see change in the world around us. And I don't know about you, but our world really needs a lot of changing. And dead things come to life, healing happens, provision happens, change happens, just by going deeper. So what do you need to do today to go deeper? Maybe you identified yourself as an ankle deep Christian (laughs) or knee deep, maybe, or waist deep. How do we be a go with the flow follower of Jesus? Well, I wanna suggest today that it's really very simple. You know, it's just as simple as wading into the water. It's just that simple. It's just a decision. Today I'm wading in. I'm going deeper. I think we've got to reject the distractions. What's determining your decisions? What's, what's, what's got your attention? What's consuming your thoughts? What's consuming your heart today? Is it the wind rather than the water? Is it the wind? Because the deeper you get in that water, the less the winds have an influence on you. You go where the Holy Spirit's leading you, not where the winds are leading you. So perhaps today it's about turning away from those distractions and wading in. And I want to encourage you all to embrace the surrender. You know, when you're you're in that flowing water, the best place to be is just floating on your back on the surface, allowing it to carry you. That's the, that is the place of restful faith, of restful faith. You know where it gets really unrestful, exhausting? It's when we're fighting what God's trying to do in our life. Where's He leading you? Is He leading you to a place of forgiveness? Is He leading you to a a depth of relationship, of vulnerability? Is He leading you to a truth that you're trying to avoid? Is He leading you to a change that you'd rather not make? I want to tell you that you can trust God that wherever He's leading you, it's a good place. It's for good. It's for good. It's not for evil. So this morning, I might just like to pray with you and if you'd just like to bow your heads and let's allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us right where we are in our living rooms. Some people have told me they're even watching it in the car <laughs> on a drive somewhere. But wherever you are, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. But wherever you are, the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you today. Let's wade in right now. Let's wade into His presence. We're wading into the flow. And Holy Spirit, today we just want to thank You. 
Thank you for coming, being our comforter, our counsellor, our guide. You are the truth. You reveal all truth to us. You reveal Jesus to us. And we want to thank you for being so present in our lives. We acknowledge you today. And we ask that you would help us wade in a little deeper today. That we'd wade in with a sense of confidence and trust in you. That you only have good things in store for us. I pray today that we can channel a little bit of Ramy's spirit and jump right in the deepest part (laughs) to be carried in your will and in your ways toward the destiny that you have for us. You're a faithful God. You are a good, good God. And so Lord, today we just trust you and we commit ourselves to going deeper. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being with us today. It's been great, haven't you? And uh, don't forget, next week, our seed offering, we're accomplishing some amazing things as a church. And uh, thank you for being a part of it. So have a great week. The service is over, but you know, church continues.